Hello, and welcome to another Church Mission Society podcast. We try and bring together stories from people across the globe who are involved in God's mission so that you can pray, learn, and participate in mission too. To discover more stories, visit churchmissionsociety.org. On the 17th of July, 2018, Church Mission Society hosted a day for people wanting to engage more in mission among those who identify themselves as spiritual, but not religious. Emma Morton spoke on the topic, a statement of faith with witches. Emma and her husband, Glyn, are the founders of Kasama, which means traveling together. Kasama is a physical and online community that offers safe spaces for those who are yearning for something more spiritually. Here, they talk with Naomi Steinberg about misunderstood gifts and refusing to divorce the church. Are you encouraged by a day like today or do days like today happen all the time where there's, lot, where there's people gathered together to talk about mission among spiritual but not religious people? I mean, is this like a unique kind of event or do you go to this kind of thing all the time? I think days like today are amazing because they are rare. For me, they're a little bit scary because obviously it's a group of people who I don't know, and it's always a risk. This this can be a subject um, which can create a lot of hate and not a lot of light. And it's really great when you come somewhere and find that actually you're with people who can see the light of Christ in this. And it's not just raising the heat of suspicion or misunderstanding. And the people that are here gathered are wanting to be here because they're interested, they want to learn, they're practitioners, people who are very experienced in the different areas they're sharing about. And it really hopefully will help people who are sort of earlier on in this journey understand either that they're not alone or that there are things they can do or incorporate into how they're living out their Christian faith with some of the values they're hearing about today, greater understanding and equipping their own toolbox of how they can be effective in living missionally and perhaps encountering people on other spiritual paths. So can you talk a bit about Kasama and I guess kind of how do you encounter people? How do you end up on journeys with people? I guess um, for lack of a better how does it work, I guess, for lack of a better way of expressing it? So. Kasama is a online and physical community. Um, the whole nature of Kasama is, is it's a Tagalog word. It means journey and companion. Um, we first in, encountered that when we were in the Philippines ourselves. And you'd go to um, some of the hospitals where people would have to pay for their own care and things like that. And... Um, all, all of healthcare is, is largely unavailable to people who can't afford it. Um, if, you've got, if you've got a Kasama, you can point out to the doctor, that's my Kasama over there. And it's an acknowledgement of, well, this person's journey with them, this person's going to help them out. This person's going to be the, the go-between, the advocate. Um, but they're equals, they're an equal member of society, and they, that's how the, the relationship begins. And when that, that's the case, um, real friendship goes on. And it's, it's not based upon conditions. Um, it's mutual and it continues for as long as it continues. Okay, so Kasama is something that has come about as a result of relationship and it's kind of happened organically. Um, it was birthed from recognising people's need to continue the conversations that had started. They could be on the street, in the pub, at the festivals of which we attend many. People coming and sensing 
we feel the spirit of Jesus in us and wanting to connect. They're drawn to the light, they're drawn to hope, they're drawn to living water. And we would get snatches of time, but recognise people needed to have these conversations and often there wasn't time at the events. So we thought it's maybe the point to bring something a little more formal together. We're not people who would choose to do something like typically formal. So our gatherings actually look very informal and they are quite organic, but it's deliberately created in a way where we really hope people feel safe. They know they can ask any question, they can raise any subject. And whilst we might not always have the answers, people can ask the questions and we can together begin to explore some of the issues that people who feel they don't fit face. And it's really quite precious if there are spaces where people can ask any question without fear of judgment and hopefully as far as possible is guilt free and shame free Mm. that that's wonderful because we can explore together some of the stuff that people keep hidden and we all learn all of us are moving forwards together by and large would you say most of the people you connect with maybe have had an experience with christianity in the past or would majority sort of have come to spirituality by another route that's it's as wide as the ocean mm, that answer <laughs> people come from so many different places some of them um, have come from very very evangelistic charismatic christian backgrounds and for whatever reason have felt that they can no longer continue in church so we find there are quite a few people that are almost like shipwrecked survivors of some storm of life who whilst their faith in Christ remains but their trust in the church has been decimated so they are often people that we will gather up on our little journey our little lifeboat and then we'll come across people who've got no background ever of any Christian context but they are instinctively drawn to Jesus and actually have already encountered him and it's they recognize that sometimes later into our relationship that this is all very familiar what you're talking about and what I'm beginning to feel is resonating with something that I've already encountered and that's where we see the grace of God he's always gone before us she's always gone before us and met with people right where they're at and that can be in the middle of a a pagan ritual that sometimes people have a an experience of the love of Christ. Going back to some of the reconciliation stuff, we do a lot of saying sorry as well. Um, there's a need to just say that wasn't done in the name of love. And we apologise for that and we stand in that gap and say, Let, let's, let's put this right. And CMS has also been a really good backing figure for us to have in the background mm. because obviously what we do looks weird, it gets very misunderstood. We've received quite a lot of criticism from certain Christians and churches. But being able to say we're part of CMS, who are supporting us, who believe in what we're doing, really does reassure people that actually we are covered. We're not just out on our own doing these lunatic things, but there are a group of Christians who are looking out for us, but also who we're accountable to, and we carry the name of uh, mm. with what we're doing. And I'm just wondering kind of if you could walk us through from the grief part of your story to the relief part of your story when you felt like you could finally be yourself. Yeah, so the grief to relief part of the story for me was intensely painful at the beginning in having to try and find ways to cope with hiding a large part of my character 
because the person who I was at heart, somebody who had natural abilities and things that didn't fit into how church in my experience had been done, meant I was constantly having to suppress who I was. So I found that made me quite unwell and needed to try and find ways to deal with that. And it just became so unhealthy. When it got to the point where I just felt like I was divided as a person, we had to make the choice that what we were doing and how we were living in running the church we were running at the time was just requiring too much. And we had to take the step of deciding to stop running the church for all what we hope are the right reasons. We still have good relationships with that church but needing to recognise that in order for us to grow and move forwards and explore what we felt God was leading us into, which would be accepting the fullness of who I was and allowing that space to breathe, meant stepping away and finding a new open space, which is scary. I mean, it was a relief, but it's scary. It's scary to step away from what's familiar and structure and find yourself somewhere which is unknown, uncharted territory. But being in that space without the constraints meant there was room to breathe, to begin to not be scared and have to hide. And just to ask Jesus, where are you in this journey? Where are you with the abilities and the way I think and the things I see and have done from childhood? Who am I? And that's an ongoing story, but the relief is immense compared to the pain of hiding. Could I ask maybe Just to dig in or maybe get a little bit more specific, when you talk about the natural abilities and gifts that you had that you felt like didn't fit in, what what specifically, is there an example, like what kind of gifts? It's a hard question because it's one that I'm scared to answer, but one area would be that of being a seer. So for me, the, the world that we live in is not just a physical realm with trees and plants and flowers and animals. There are creatures that are of spirit that are very visible to me in a lot of different circumstances and constantly present which I'm used to seeing and interacting with and find that I have to divide my spirit my emotions my my mental capacity into being present where I am with a person in whatever way that will mean and obviously I understand that for a lot of people in the world that they don't see the world like that so it can sound unusual when I say that I have that interaction and I can also see into people very clearly so often as I'm talking to somebody I'll be getting almost like a download of a lot of their life story, um, their feelings, I can hear inner voices from people sometimes things that may be hidden or just see who that person is and that can be quite disconcerting especially when I tell people that. So is that one of those things where maybe you would tell somebody in a church and then what was the reaction to that kind of gift? I in a church setting it's not so bad because I think words of knowledge prophecy can cover quite a wide base it's also something that when we're at events and festivals I'll often see somebody and feel that I would like to go and talk to them Um, but I think it can be perceived as something that goes a little bit beyond the sort of practice form of words of knowledge or prophecy and it's something that was definitely happening from before I consciously gave my life to Jesus and just seems to have always been there. I've had people who've been scared or pulled away from me um, so I'm very very careful what I say about myself. Emma's a, 
a strong woman, um, an artist, um, formidable. <laughs> and our, our relationship is also um, appreciative of that. Um, and and we we support each other equally and that sort of stuff. So, so even even within that, within some of the, the contexts of, of traditional church history, um, the way we do things, it raises eyebrows and stuff like that. Um, since yeah, since I've known you, you've always been a, a strong person. You've always been a, a person who, who sees things, speaks directly, and again that rubs some parts of church history the wrong way as well. You know. That makes sense. Is that fair enough? So not necessarily just the the spiritual abilities, but maybe. Well, I think it's all part of the same package. A strong female sometimes doesn't go very well in churches. Why do you think there's such resistance to that kind of gifting? Now that's a big question. Why is there such resistance? I think the church has a history of fear, which was instilled from a long, long time ago church history being built on needing to suppress certain things and control so people have been conditioned as to what's acceptable and not acceptable if I read the the bible and reflect on scripture most of what I see and feel there are bits that of course they're very evident other bits they're harder to find but it is actually all there Um, I think the church has just become selective about what is accepted spiritual practice and what are things that are classed as dodgy or perhaps not of God. You're very clear about the fact that you live your life surrendered to Christ. Mm-hmm. And so because you love you because you are part of Christ or Christ is in you, you're also part of the church. I'm wondering if you could talk about practically what that means for you, I guess both in your context. How do you um I would sense maybe there's like a nat an, an, an innate kind of I don't want to be part of the church, sort of thing. So, kind of, how how have you resolved that for your for yourselves? Should I start? Okay. Um, I would like to have written a divorce letter to the church many times. Um, if I look back over history and look over personal history and, and observing loved ones, it's so easy to see abuse or deliberate manipulations or making people do wrong uh, making people feel so much bad about themselves there's sometimes uh, a tendency to keep people in a place where if they ask questions they don't feel safe if or if they they feel differently they're, they're made to feel inferior or or wrong um, conform or be cast out type stuff and that's not the way of Christ that's not the Christ that I've fallen in love with and the big challenge that, that's, that's come to me recently, um, or it, sorry, go back to the, the history of Kasama. When we, we started Kasama, we've always felt that a huge part of it needs to be reconciliation and forgiveness. That goes both ways. So it's not reaching out to the marginalised or reaching out to people involved in paganism or whatever. It's, it's, it's a mutual bridge building. It's a mutual continual need for reconciliation forgiveness in all areas um, I, I need other people in my life, I need forgiveness from other people in the same way that people need forgiveness from me and that's an ongoing discussion that needs to be had um, it also means that if I'm of Christ then I am of the church because 
Christ chose to pour his love fully into the church and that was the vessel that he chose. And I'm part of that, which means I can't divorce it. I'm part of the problem, I'm part of the solution. I think it, for me, the reason that we've chosen or I've chosen to continue journeying with the church is that it would be too easy to walk away in frustration, in pain, in anger, when in fact I know that there's so many people who feel like I do who need to find a home in church. It is God's chosen way of expressing his love and showing who he is or one of the ways for sure. And unless people are willing to journey with the church and go back and keep speaking out on behalf of those who don't fit the mould, there is never going to be home for people who can't fit in. And I have this vision of the church being somewhere for all people where everyone can find a home and there won't be fear of judgment or rejection or not fitting in, but actually the arms of the church and the arms of God are wide enough and deep enough and everything else enough to incorporate everybody on this journey towards the centre, which is Christ. And it frustrates me that the church is the chosen vessel because it is so flawed, it causes such damage. But at the same time, that's the whole beauty and the dichotomy of the Christian story. It's a love story of a God who has chosen something so broken in order to demonstrate his love. And I think that's what he does for individuals as well. He's working in and through us. She's working in and through us constantly. And we have the choice of whether to allow that to happen or not. It would be very easy to walk away. But I know in my spirit that it's where we're meant to be. It's where God wants his people to be. And if we all jumped ship in frustration, it's a very, very sad looking bride. You've been going to a lot of festivals, I think, for a lot of time. Mm -hmm. Is it still fun for you? Or is it like, oh man, we got to go to another festival? (laughs) Like, you know, is it, or is it a mix? Or, I mean, do you still look forward to going, I guess? It's bonkers. Love it. Yeah, we enjoy going to the festivals. They are very hard work. Um, We do up to 24 a year, so it keeps us quite busy. But I also incorporate my little business into it, which is called the Henna and Hat Lady. We go um, to the festivals because they're a great place to connect with a wide group of people and it helps us to see the the bigger network of what's happening around the UK and you kind of get a flavour and a feel for for how the spirit is moving around the country and they are just a great place to to be. We've got some really good deep friendships going on from that now and sometimes a conversation will have, have one year, maybe you know, a year further on at the same festival, you meet that person. Or they come up to you and say, oh, you never guess what? And they just tell you these different things that they want. So, yeah. yeah, it's good. Continuing relationships. What is mission? What is mission? Mission, to me, is love. It, it's, it's putting love into practice. Um, and it, I've never seen love not work. And mission, to me, is definitely love but it's also living responsively to the Holy Spirit in any situation that we're living in or in for that moment of time. It's not about having this agenda to go out and convert people. It's living out love in the most authentic of ways, wherever we are. 
And sometimes people have a view of mission being this journey or this specific thing you go out to do. But for, for me, it's a way to live and think and breathe and react in every situation. It's challenging because it's trying to be Christ-like in all situations where sometimes my human side would rather react very humanly. But having that moment to think, I want to be as Jesus as possible in this situation. And believing as well that it's it's not just about the words we speak, but it's about the spirit within us, the Holy Spirit, who's working supernaturally in every situation. We can be at an event doing something quite mundane. Um, I could be doing a, a henna tattoo on somebody, and it's almost like the Holy Spirit will be speaking directly to the person whose hands I'm touching as I put the henna on and they will begin to speak and ask me questions about my beliefs and why am I here and what am I doing that's nothing to do with the henna it's something happening in the spirit that is amazing and that continues to always delight us how the Holy Spirit works creatively and if we're responsive to that inner voice of the spirit in those occasions, we can find we're having conversations that are supernaturally blessed, insightful and of Christ. And I think that's for me what mission is about.